The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. Yesterday, we began a sermon by Elder Lonnie Mazingo, Jr. about the Church of God, taken from Isaiah chapter 33. Brother Lonnie preached this sermon on the fourth Sunday night in April 2022 at Zion Primitive Baptist Church, and the Spirit was evident among us. Today, we finish the sermon that we started yesterday, wherein he concludes that the kingdom of God is the most precious place in the world. The church of the living God is the place that every child of God ought to be and the place where we can experience true worship in a way that we can't experience it anywhere else. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
He says, but you are coming to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. This is the church of the firstborn. What firstborn? The firstborn son of the living God. That's whose church it is. Not your church, my church, the deacon's church, the pastor's church, but the church of the living God, the firstborn. The church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. If you're here tonight, your spirit, you're a just person, and your spirit was made perfect, not because you got just, and not because you made yourself perfect, but because you were made perfect and made just by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at Calvary. That's the only reason why your spirit is a just, you're a just man whose spirit has been made perfect. Now get that. Get that part. So he says to the general assembly. See, that's what the church is all about. It's assembling. You can't do it on the computer. I listen, I, I, I love the internet. I listen to Grace Alone Radio. I'm, I'm obsessed with Grace Alone Radio. If you don't know how to access Grace Alone Radio, see me after the service. I love the sermon audio. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with listening to sermons on the internet, to listening to singing, and, and I even love hymn time. I'm telling you, I, I just love it all. But it's not the same as assembling. It's not the same. You got to go where the people are in order to have church. You can't have it on the beach. You can't have it in the mountains. You know, it's going to be a shock to some people that when they get to heaven to find out that the book of Revelation says there is no more sea. That's going to blow a lot of people's mind. They think heaven is going to the beach. <clears throat> I got news for you. There is no beach. <clears throat> there's no beach in heaven. You know, there, you know why I know there's no beach? Because there's no sea. There's no sea. S-E-A-C. Okay, so I'll just throw that in for free. To the general assembly church of the first one, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. You are here, you're, a, you're an assembly, and the Bible says forsake not the assembly. Don't ever, don't ever allow in, in the internet, don't ever allow live streaming a service, don't ever allow any of that to substitute for being here. You say, why do I have to be here? Can't I sit at home in my pajamas and eat cereal and watch the preacher preach and, and still go to church? Listen, you know better than that. You're not that stupid. Now listen, if there's somebody that wants to come to church but physically can't make it, that's all good for them. I praise God for live streaming. I, I'm scared to death to look. I think we might even be doing it now. But if we're not, if we are or aren't, Please erase the tape before you broadcast it because I'm not photogenic, trust me. But I want to tell you, it's good for people that are shut in and can't come to church. It's glorious. It's glorious for me. I can't always go to McClendon, Florida on Wednesday night. I can't go at all. But I can get on the internet and watch Elder David Crawford talk, preach on the book of Revelation and shout. All, I, when I get up in the morning time, I can't run over here to Gordo and listen to Brother Chris and Brother Tim preach, but I can get on Grace Alone Radio and I can shout all over the, uh, all over the uh, southwest Mississippi while I'm riding around in my truck and praising God for what I'm hearing them preach. You get the point. It's great. It's wonderful. It's good. But it's not the same as church. Amen. You got to assemble. Because why? Because when you assemble, you're, you're next to somebody living that needs you 
need your encouragement, need your help, need your prayers, need you to understand their needs, needs to sing with you, praise with you, honor God with you, worship with you. And God said, this is the way I want it done. Now, I have heard people say theatrical uh, exhibitions are going to replace preaching in the years to come. It may replace it in the worldly churches. But God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God said, this is the way I say do it. Not through a theatrical performance but through the preaching of the word of God. Amen. That's not, you say, you're just saying that because you're a preacher. No, I'm saying that's because what, that's what God said. God said that, not me. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And you've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Isn't that glorious? You've got a mediator between you and God, and he's the mediator of the new covenant, the new testament. And to the blood of sprinkling. When blood is sprinkled, a drop falls here, and a drop falls there, and a drop falls here, and a drop falls there. I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but whenever Jesus died on the cross, he didn't pour out his blood on the ground. It was sprinkled upon the altar of the Almighty God. And you say, what's the difference? Because it shows election when you sprinkle. You see, it doesn't cover everything. It shows election whenever it's sprinkled. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You see, Zion, just like David built the Old Testament physical Zion in, the, in Jerusalem, in the Middle East, in Israel, so God, the super David, Jesus Christ built the church, which is the spiritual sign in the New Testament age. Okay, okay, does that make sense? Okay, so we got that point. All right, now let's go back to our text. Now that we know all that information, let's read the text again. Look upon Zion. Look upon the church. The city of our frivolities. Now you, you knew that's not what it says, does it? Now listen, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> joy is a fruit of the Spirit. But there's a difference in joy and joking. There's a difference. This is not the city of, of our frivolities, is it? It's the city of our solemnities. It's deadly serious business what we're doing tonight. We are here to worship the holy, the thrice holy God of the universe and thank him for sending his son to redeem us from our sins and praise him and worship him for it. So this church and churches like it throughout the country is the city of our solemnity. It's a place where we get serious about serving God. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation. Now, you remember, we've come to the, new, the heavenly Jerusalem. We've come to the spiritual Jerusalem. We've come, and your eyes will see the church, a quiet habitation. One of the hallmarks of the church when it's functioning proper, properly is that it has the bond of peace. 
It has the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. A tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed, neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. My friends, we can't pull up stakes and move them to where we want them to be. Those stakes have to be where God says they are. Those cords cannot be loosened and re-strung where we want them. They have to be put where God says. There is a doctrine for us to believe. There's a practice for us to practice. And it's got to be that way. Okay. Now, you can go in the ditch of that. You know, you can become so scared to death you're going to do something wrong that you become pharisaical, legalistic, and judgmental, and, and the service just becomes a drudgery. And it just becomes, you know, everybody's scared to death they're going to do something wrong. There is a liberty in Christ. But it's not a liberty to be frivolous. It's a liberty to be serious. Okay? So, uh, but he says, Neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken, but there, in the church, there, the glorious Lord, isn't he glorious? Amen. I mean, we could spend the rest of our lives talking about how glorious he is. As a matter of fact, I got news for you. You're going to spend eternity talking about that. How glorious he is. He gets all the glory. That's one of the wonderful thing about the doctrine of free and sovereign grace. It gives God all the glory. People may not like it, but they got to admit that. If God does it all, he gets all the glory. You got to admit that. You may not like that. You may not believe that, but you got to admit that. That if God does it all, he gets all the glory. Isn't that glorious? And so he says, There the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall no galley, wherein shall go no galley with oars, neither shall gallant ship pass thereby. There's two ships that cannot sail down these rivers and streams. Okay? There's two, there's two ships under consideration, and neither one of them will ever go into, on these rivers and streams of God's mercies and blessings in the kingdom of God. One is a galley ship. No galley with oars. What is a galley ship with oars? It's a place where slaves are chained to the oar, and they are rowing to the beat of the drum because they are under the taskmaster of the ship. And their whole life is bread and water, starvation and exhaustion, and constant beat of the drum. Just do, just row, row, row. And the boat moves under the power of slavery. God said there's no place for that in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no place for legalism. There's no place for a preacher to get up and beat the drum of legalism and you try your best to row it because he never feeds you with the gospel. He just gives you the instruction manual and says, row, row, row. God said that that ship will get nowhere in my church. There's no place for legalism in the house of God. There's no place for abuse of God's little children. There's no place to be mean to God's Children, I, I think preachers sometimes forget that whenever Paul says, feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his blood. Take the, you know, Paul says that you're, uh, 
to feed the church, well, over the which the Holy, take charge of the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his blood. Listen, that's how precious you are to him. You, sitting there in the bench, you are so precious to God that he, that he so loved you, he gave his only begotten son for you. He purchased you with his blood. Any minister that would get up and abuse a little child of God with legalistic preaching has got to an answer to the God of glory. There's no place for legalism in the house of God. There's no place for the slavish fear of legalism. That if I don't do this, it means that I never was one of the elect. If I don't do this, I won't ever become one of the elect. There's no place for the slavish fear of keeping the law to try to become what you already are by grace. On the other hand, he says, and no gallant ship passed thereby. You know what that means? There's no place for pride. There's no place for a look at me. The gallant ship with all the flags unfurled and flipping, flapping in the wind and the guns shining and the gleaming in the sunlight as it sails, you know, as it goes by, powered by the engines in the engine room. And it's, it's, it's got its own power and it's got its own force and it's a man of war. And people say, wow, look at that gallant ship go by. God said, no place for that ship in, in Zion. Amen. No place. That ship's not going to get into this river. Because God said, I will not give my glory to another. He's just not going to do it. What is the place of, of the church? If it's not a place for slavish fear and if it's not a place for prideful gallantry, you know, it's not a place for self-righteous Phariseeism. It's not a place for you to say, you know, you heard about the man that came to church and he came down the aisle and he says, brethren, he said, I, I, I'd like to join this church. I, I, I'm a wealthy man. I think I could do a lot for it. I think I could help y'all out. Y'all need a man like me. I'm a businessman in the community. I'm, I'm popular. I'm, and, and I think I could help get a lot more members in here. And they, and the brother got up and says, I've, uh, I, I make a move that we, that, that we reject this brother's and, and somebody said, I second it. And, and they voted to reject his request. He went walking out the building. He was so mad. He, he was about to see. He was, his eyes were just full of fire, rage. How dare those poor, ignorant, old, primitive Baptists turn me down. I'm, I'm, look at me. I, well, whenever he got home, he got word that the market had crashed and that everything that he had, he lost it. And he was bankrupt. And, and his friends began to turn their back on him because he didn't have any money anymore. And he soon fell into debt. And he soon fell into debtor prison. And he stayed in prison for years because he couldn't pay his debt. And his wife left him and his children left him. And everything that could possibly go wrong in his life went wrong in his life. And then they finally let him out. And he went dragging back to that same little church and he shuffled down the aisle and he said, Brethren, I'm not worthy to be a member here, but will you let me shine your shoes? Will you let me wash the dishes? Will you let me just listen to the preaching? Will you let me just listen to you sing? I know I'm not worthy. You've already told me that, but will you please just let me sit down and, and hear the gospel praise and please not turn me out because I've been rejected by everybody else. And the same old brother got up and said, I'm commotion. We accept him. And somebody said, I'll make a second. And the church voted unanimously and said, let's take him in. You see, that's the people we're looking for. The prisoners of hope. You know what a prisoner of hope? It can't get away from hope. You can't get away from it because you're a prisoner of it. And what is your hope that Jesus died for you? That's your only hope, by the way. 
I love what Peter said over there in the book of 1 Peter when he says, hope to the end. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope to the end. I, I tell you, brethren, that's, that's what I'm going to plan to do Amen. is hope to the, to the very end that when the Lord comes, he's bringing grace because if he's bringing justice, there's no hope for me. Amen. But if he's bringing grace, there's hope for me. I'm a prisoner of hope, aren't you? Amen. All right, turn ye to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. It's called Zion. All right, so he says, for the Lord is our judge. You're not my judge. I'm not your judge. The Lord's our judge. Doesn't matter what the world judges us to be. The world, listen, I, I got news for you. The world hates you. The world despises you. The world has contempt for you. If the world thought it could get away with it, it would imprison, persecute, and kill you. And think they were doing God a favor while they were doing it. That's what the world thinks. You know why? Because it hated your Savior long before he hated you. You can't make them like you. You can't tap dance fast enough for them to say, okay, I like you now. You, you, you can't, there's nothing you can do. You can't paint yourself up to be pretty enough for the world to say, okay, we like, we like them now. They hate you because you're married to the one they hate the most, Jesus Christ the Lord. You're his bride. And they know they can't touch the bridegroom, so they'll say, let's go persecute the bride. So quit trying to make them like you. Accept as a reality in your life that as a primitive Baptist, as a Christian, not just a primitive Baptist, but as a Christian, as a child of God trying to live for the Lord, and I, you may find this shocking, but there are people outside the primitive Baptist church that to the best of their understanding are trying to live for the Lord. And manna falls down from heaven in that desert, and there's water coming out of the rock in that desert. But you know what? I'd rather be in the promised land where it flows with milk and honey. That's just my personal preference. I'd rather be a primitive Baptist than not. But I'm not so arrogant as to think that God can't bless anybody if they're not a primitive Baptist. Because I tell you, God does bless his people out there in the desert of false religion. He does. As he, but I hope he gets them to the promised land of the church, don't you? That's another sermon. I got to get. All right, so. What I'm trying to say to you is, is that it doesn't matter how the world judges us, to, what the judge judges us to be. The Lord is our judge. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. It's what God thinks about you. And I'm happy to tell you as a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, he thinks highly of you for Christ's sake. He loves you. For, the world hates you. He loves you. The world despises you. He adores you. Do you understand that? The world thinks you're the ugliest thing on earth. You know what Jesus, God thinks? God thinks you're the most beautiful thing in the world. His bride. Any man that doesn't think his bride's the prettiest woman in the house, first of all, he's in trouble with his bride, but second of all, uh, he's an idiot. All right? That, the hallmark of a good husband is what? My wife is more beautiful than anybody else's wife, right? You got that? Jesus Christ says there are many 
daughters that have done virtuously. You can find a lot of good works and a lot of good thoughts out there in the religious world, but thou excellest them all. Jesus said, my dove, my love is but one. I've only got one dove, one, one love. I've only got one people that I've bestowed the kingdom upon. I've only got one people who represent me on the earth. I've only got one people who, they're not all my people, but they're the people that I have bestowed favor upon. I've called them out of the darkness of this world into the light of the knowledge of the gospel so that they might worship me in spirit and in truth. In other words, worship me the way I want to be worshiped. You can find worship according to the humanistic ideas of men in the world all over the place. But God says, I want you to do it the way I say do it. Because that's what pleases me. Oh, how beautiful it is to see a wife that dresses for her husband. Right? Who dresses for her husband, not who dresses for the other girls or who dresses for the other men. But she wants to dress for her husband. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, my friends, we want to wear the apparel Jesus gave us. Make sense? He says, for the Lord is our judge. You remember that. Doesn't matter what the world judges you to be. The Lord's your judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. It doesn't matter what rules other people follow. The Lord has given us our rules. He's our lawgiver. We follow his rules. The Lord is our king. We're not here to worship man. You're living in a society. Got six minutes. I do. According to this. You know what this is? I want to tell you the young people here. This is the thing called a watch. And old, old people wear it. So they, so they know what time it is. And, I, and it tells me I got five and a half minutes left. No, I, you forgive me for that. But uh, the, the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the place of the living God where the, the Lord comes down to be with his people is unique in this world. It's not like any other place in the world. And he is our king. You're living a society that is drowning in the false doctrine of humanism. You need to get that through your head. The enemy of the church used to be other isms, absolutism, Arminianism, and they're still enemies of the church. But the main attack that Satan has upon our churches today is humanism. Humanism is simply the worship of man rather than God. Just boil it down. That's what it gets down to, worshiping man. Man's got the answers. Man's got the solutions. Man doesn't need God. Man is God. Man's everything. Humanism and all of its vile teachings is the enemy of the church that is decimating the churches of Christ today. Okay? Just as our absolutism decimated our churches at the turn of the uh, 20th century, just as Arminianism decimated our churches at the turn of the 17th century, so in the, in the 21st century, humanism is decimating our churches. And there's only a remnant. There's only a remnant left to say, I won't bow my knee to the image of Baal. I refuse to bow my knee to humanism. My king is Jesus. See what he says? There the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams 
For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Science won't save us. Politicians won't save us. Government won't save us. He'll save us. He's our king. That's what the primitive Baptists are all about. And if you're sick and tired of worldly religion, if you have been starving in the desert of false doctrine, I'm telling you, you've come tonight to Mount Zion. You've come to the city of the living God. You've come to an innumerable company of messengers from God, angels. You've come to the spirits of just men made perfect by the blood and righteousness of Christ. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of the New Testament, of the New Covenant. And you've come to the blood of sprinkling. You've come to the place where that we honor the sprinkled blood of Jesus as our only hope of redemption. You've come to a place that speaks better things than that of Abel. You've come to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you is my prayer. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.